Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where a dead horse may or may not be beaten for an amount of damage to be determined by the GM utilizing the following rubric of measuring guidelines as outlined on chart 2.6.3 of page 124, unless as modified by weather, in which case good role-playing will be the predominant determinant at this juncture. Today's episode is on Active Exploits, which is indeed the title of a four-wheel role-playing game that you can buy. Why not? It's System Mastery. All right, John, before we get started this week, we have a brief announcement, Mastery to make it through. Ooh, lovely. I know I love doing these because I like helping the folks get their word out there for a very small amount of money that goes to me and you. (laughs) But mostly you. Mostly me. But sometimes you. Sometimes. Sometimes (laughs) me. When I remember. (laughs) If you can find me. (laughs) And I can afford it because I probably already spent that money. Yeah. (laughs) All right, here we go. Calamity waits around every corner, but there is one thing in the world that can put a stop to it. Card games! Perfect Draw, exclamation point, is a tabletop role-playing game based on Powered by the Apocalypse framework that combines trading card games with collaborative storytelling, allowing you to tell stories similar to card game animes like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Duel Masters, and Card Fight Vanguard. In Perfect Draw, you can make any deck you imagine using our open-ended card creation system. And then, you can clash ideals with villains and allies alike in tense card game combat. Your deck is an extension of your beliefs and the blade that allows you to change the world. Use your passion, skill, and friendship to get the upper hand on foes and save the people that you care about most. I always love getting the upper hand on my deck. Get to wait till about halfway through the podcast when the, yeah. when our official podcast Cialis kicks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The crowdfunding campaign is now live on Backer Kit. That's once again that's for card games or for Perfect Draw. All backers get immediate access to the game's rules complete prototype PDF as soon as the campaign is over. And while you wait, we have a free demo available where you and up to three friends can take on the Rising Stars tournament. We hope you join and happy gaming. So once again, that's Perfect Draw. It's available on Backer Kit right the dang now. Ooh, boy. Go check that out. Google up Backer Kit, Perfect Draw, or click on the link I hope I will be able to provide by then on our website or on Twitter as the situation demands. And as always, if you would like an ad here on the show, it's very easy. Just go to our website, SystemMasteryPodcast.com, and click on the Give Us Some Money button and follow things from there. Yep. And let's get to the show. John, how you doing? I'm getting over being sick. Yeah, not COVID though, right? You just had like a regular, like a yuck. Regular ass cold. Yeah, like old times. Just like the old days. It's like nostalgia at this point to just get a regular ass flu or something. Yeah, to just be like, oh, my nose is running and I've got a cough. Uh, And I checked and it's just 
normal types disease instead of fuck you disease. It's fun living in a post, well, not really post-pandemic. It's still in full raging swing and people still die from it every fucking day. But it's fun to live in the world where we're all pretending we're post-pandemic because yeah. now when you get like not that but sick, you're like, hey, hey I want to tweet about this. Guys, I've, I'm really sick, but not in the way that anyone gives a shit about. <laughs> I'm sick, but not in a way that'll fuck me too bad. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. Yeah, I uh, I'm either. at the point now where I'm like, all right, well, I can drug myself up to being relatively okay, tolerable in public. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You couldn't have gotten sick at a worse time because we were dead last or, or in the last minutes of needing to turn in a manuscript for a book. And it's not, I mean, granted, everything I had left to finish was my own responsibility. Yeah. But I can't work without you also being in the room. Oh, yeah. I just don't have that power. No, I I get it. I have the same thing where if I go to start writing, I'm just like, oh, if no one else is there keeping me accountable, I'm like, oh, I wrote like five words. That deserves a treat. <laughs> What's on three hours worth of playing a game. <laughs> What's on that other tab there? <laughs> what else am I doing here? I bet I haven't checked AV Club comments in a few minutes. Hey, what's going on on YouTube for the next five hours? <laughs> Ooh, a video essayist did a four-hour video on a game I've never heard of. Ooh, I don't care, but I'll watch it anyway. <laughs> Every stinking minute, thanks, Dan Olson. Please, may I have another? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I uh, I am at least to the point where I am now a functioning human-ish again. Man, you, that must have been one sickness to get over because you managed to come out the other side positive on your normal life development. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Up until now, you've at best been an animal that thinks he is human. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a beast that thinks himself a man. <laughs> <laughs> like a bear wearing pants at the circus. <laughs> Such is my life. <laughs> Such are the days of our lives. Mm. 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 Makes you think. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> so, good. I'm doing fine as well. We also are coming up very soon. This is our last episode before we start our book tour for the year. Yes. Heading off to the same thing as last year, the Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. End of the month, so going February into March. Yeah, taking that uh, leap day. We'll be in the air on leap day, flying out to Seattle for... A fun Comic Con where we're doing new stuff. We're not, if you're uh, thinking about coming to see us, but you saw us last year, it's new shows. We're it's doing brand new shit. Brand new stuff. We're going to be testing it out in a couple of days from after we record this with James because he's part of it. You know, part he's just part of it. Uh, and we're, we'll be doing a, like some dating game type stuff yeah. to try and get a little more audience participation and a little less of me just reading trivia questions off a sheet. <laughs> But, you know, we'll still do that. I mean, that's still, it's still fun. I actually do like that. I'm still right. going to do that I anyway. I just write a whole fucking trivia book, so you, you better be, you, you can be damn sure that I'm going to want to use that shit I just did. Yeah. Yeah. John helped, too, a lot. Yeah. He wrote a lot of that book. Uh-huh. And I'm sure he feels pretty much the same way. Like, we uh, need to get our dollars worth out of that. <laughs> I mean, at least it's a 420 point... question trivia book. I don't think there are 420 things about role-playing games. No. We've been doing this for 10 years, and I was like constantly going god there's nothing more to say about this like i've i've written so many words about games i don't give a shit anymore <laughs> i just want to write about something else just once jesus christ you know we're also really really knowledgeable about star wars can we just write about that no <laughs> there are there are people, people that get real money to do that i know that's a business i know i know but maybe maybe we could Someday, mm. if we dream big enough. Ooh, I'm going to dream big enough. You know, our, our books are now available at Michael's across the country. 
We're popular. Yep, coast to coast, you can go to Michael's. Can't seem to get him into a California game store for the life of me, but a Michael's? Right across the street from my own house? Yeah, there's my books are over there. Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. All right, well, anyway, uh, I think we may have dithered the maximum amount that we possibly could before we have to acknowledge the uh, game in the room. Oh, Lord. Now, when I picked this, I gotta say, I did not know what I was getting into outside of the fact that I was like, oh, I've I've gone through and I have curated a list of things from Drive Through RPG that are PDFs where I was like, oh, these are ones that I got that I'm like, these seem either interesting in a particular way or weird in a particular way. And this one was specifically on there because I was like, oh, it's a diceless system. You don't see a lot of those. So being able to do one is like, Great. And I, you know, we've done two or probably done more than two, but we've done two that have diceless in the name. Well, yes. And I'll, I'll say not just diceless, but like, you know, randomizer list. Cause yes. there are ones that are like, Oh, we use cards or, you know, we use tarot, whatever. I'm like, no, just the full, no randomizing, no dice, no anything, just points. Yes. Yeah. Cause the two we've done before have both had their own distinct problems because uh, we do a Marvel dice list, which I barely even remember. I just remember that robots were like the the way to go. Oh. And then uh, Amber dice list, which was very much like too much of a love letter. To oh, yeah. Amber Diceless's problem wasn't so much that it was diceless, but that it was just absolutely devoted to the core material to the detriment of the game. Yes. Now, in this game, I would say the biggest detriment to its existence is largely just that it is... In the parlance of a Northern Californian, hella boring. <laughs> I gotta say, having, again, done this for 10 years, I'm reading this, and I'm just, I'm getting a real bad case of the grumpy grandpas on this, where I'm like, <laughs> why does this exist? Who needed this? Who looked at the RPG space the that landscape. exists today? Uh, the hundred, the zeitgeist, the hundreds of games. And just went... Oh, you know what we're missing is a generic diceless system with all of the flavor of air. <laughs> diet air. New diet air. New diet air. <laughs> now no oxygen. Less filling. No oxygen. <laughs> Just helium in there. Oh boy, I'm going to float away on this brand new diet air <laughs> to death. <laughs> so uh so yeah, it's uh it's it's just sort of a, a generic system. It, really, what this feels like is a toolkit for making your own game. You know, kind of like if you were to release PBTA, but not actually make it powered by the apocalypse, but just like, hi, writer or, or uh, game writers, here's the basics of how to do fudge dice mechanics. I know that's fate, but you know what I mean. Well, uh, it, 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 here's here's the basics of how to roll two d six and add a number between minus one and plus three, and then compare it against this chart that says six that you know the, the below six is a failure and seven through nine is a part. You know that shit. You know PBTA. I don't need to explain all of it. I'm not here to review. You that. apparently don't, but it's fine. None of that was wrong. <laughs> no, it it definitely feels like the whole game is just like here's a mechanic, here's how you do it. There's nothing here. And it's why I was so grumpy at it, because I'm like, when I look at a game, if it's a role-playing game and I go, oh, what's going to make me interested in it? Most of the time, it's, does it have a cool 
setting or idea or something about it that hooks you. Yeah. So yeah. obviously this being a generic game with no base setting, no ideas behind it that are creative as far as like the world goes. There's no setting at all. You have to go, oh, well, it's got to be in the mechanics. And the mechanics are nothing. So yeah. it ends up just going, why would I... Like, who looks at this and goes, finally, the game for me, a nothing burger. Yeah, and I mean, okay, I, I just want to rip the Band-Aid off on this one so we can start talking around it for, for longer. Uh, the only core mechanic of this game is build your own little pool of numbers based on the resources available to you by spending luck, checking against your amount of discipline you're willing to spend on skills, adding in your ability score to, bu- to build a little pool of number. And then there is a difficulty chart for uh, the average difficulty of tasks. You have like trivial tasks and regular tasks and challenging tasks and so on. And your, your goal as a player is to try and build your number as high as you can and then send your number forth to see whether you accomplish the goal or not. Now, that sounds like a pretty determinant system because you already know the difficulty, and that is where the only mechanic in this game lies. The difficulty of things are universally hidden information, which means the entire game is just guess what number the GM is thinking. I mean... For the most part, if you've got a good amount of resources to spend on something, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, if I've got like a high stat and a high skill in something and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have great numbers in this, then you can pretty confidently go into anything and be like, I'll be fine. But when you don't, you can just sort of go, the difference between... Like, there are five levels of tasks. Going from a routine task to a challenging task, you need two effort for a routine, four for a challenging. Yeah. And for, like, the task to do stuff, you have stats, and those are rated anywhere from negative one to five. Yes. You get to expend effort on a thing up to whatever your stat is. So if I've got a two in fitness mm-hmm. uh, I and I'm doing a fitness thing, I can put two effort into there, and that's great yeah. for me. If you would like to apply one of the skills you have as well, like let's say you were trying to uh, punch a guy, you're using brawl, and you have a one in punch in brawl, you can choose to apply your brawl, but you do need to spend a, an amount of your starting experience to have that contribute. Contribu- no, no, it automatically, automatically gives applies. you free. Oh, you can you can add more if you would like. Yeah. So a your stats. I'll God. Let's start at the start. Let's okay. Just start at the abilities. Let's get you into have it. four stats. Maybe. Uh, unless you have more, because mm-hmm. this game is very much just a here's a framework for a game and. We don't even know what we want in our base. Yeah. So you have the four that you always have are fitness, awareness, creativity, and reasoning. The fifth, which uh, we're still not sure why it's optional, because there are actually two more optional stats that make a lot more sense as optional stats that are listed throughout. Uh, The fifth is influence, which effectively doubles for charisma and leadership uh, capability. Uh, But the game basically takes all of the stuff that would be an influence and are like, oh, you can just put it into creativity. And I'm like, okay, then why does influence exist? But if you want creativity to have its own thing, then you got to kind of go, all right, well, we're stripping a whole bunch of stuff out of creativity and putting it into influence because there are examples for like, oh, what are skills? 
all of the skills that exist under influence are just see whatever stat. Yes. Uh, so the other two that they list are ESP and conduction, uh, with ESP being, you know, what it says on the tin psychic powers and conduction being the ability to harness and channel electricity. It's not really worth going into because again, these are both just optional examples, even though that as they make their way through what abilities do, which is a, a whole chapter in and of itself, they do routinely explain each one of these and add all of the extra flares and bits and bobs to them. Yeah. Uh, just to keep them going as functional examples for you. Um, so those two don't matter. Influence is really interesting insofar as I feel like it really did require a commitment. Like there's no reason that you'd want to pull leadership and charisma out of your game. Yeah. That they ever list. It's, it's just weird that you're like, Oh, leadership is a reasoning skill. Normally performance is a creativity one streetwise is reasoning. But if you have influence in your game, those all become influence skills and they get taken away from those. Yeah. And then you get an equivalent amount of points to spend on your character as if you had influence, so it's just like, hey, would you like to rearrange the deck chairs for, as far as we can tell, no particular reason? Then you may choose to to either add or subtract influence based on whether you you viewed it to be in there or not at the beginning. Yeah, and again, it just feels so. Hey, did you want to create your own system using our framework? Yes, and I think honestly, I I, I know this is probably a biased perspective. Uh, I feel like if this game had been written from the perspective of, hey, new game designer. Here are the tools that we have provided to you to build a game. But since it's provided as, hey, DM, here's the tools you need to run your game with the, with your players. Yeah. I feel like it's like one step lower on the on the org chart than it should have been. If it was like, this is literally a game toolkit, <clears throat> it is not in and of itself a game. Yes. I would be far more forgiving of it. Yeah, because if it was meant to be a skeleton that the person would then take and put meat on, I would go... Oh, I'm understanding, because you're not supposed to have all the meat on there. That's what you're giving to someone else to go, hey, here's a base, like, mechanical structure. You go ahead and you make whatever. But instead, the game's like, here's a base mechanical structure. GM, you provide everything everything else. Yeah, yeah. And and we mean everything, because again, the vast majority of this game, you're basically just checking the amount of, of uh, th- points you manage to assemble between your abilities and their relevant skills and all that against target difficulties, which are listed, but also openly stated to be, these are up to the, the, the GM. They're not supposed to tell you how difficult anything you're trying to accomplish is, and they are free to modify these difficulties via the entire 90% of the rest of this book, which is just various things that say like, in this situation, add plus one or plus three to the difficulty. Yeah, the <clears throat> the stats themselves, basically, I'm just going to try and go like thing by thing in this. And I'm going to keep stopping you. Yes. No, I won't. You're fine. So the attributes or abilities, God, I have to, they have very specific things that sound very much alike. So there are abilities, which are your baseline stats. Mm-hmm. Those will give you the amount that you can sort of spend per turn on a thing for that. Uh-huh. You have aspects. Aspects are not abilities. There is baseline luck and discipline. Yes. Luck is a stat that is sort of a occasionally on the DM's whim renewing resource that lets you spend more points yes. on a thing. So in case you were like, well, I've got a two in fitness but I'm trying to do something challenging, uh, well, I can always spend luck on it to just get myself extra points. Yes. Discipline is 
how much you can spend that isn't freely spent, because luck and skills are free spend points, mm-hmm. uh, is if you spend up to the discipline amount, then it's fine. If you spend more than your discipline, you get points of fatigue. Uh-huh. <clears throat> fatigue being one of the health tracks in addition to health. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's uh, I would say an ill thought. It's one of the, the health tracks in addition to health. Plus any number of additional health tracks you may wish to add of your own accord. Oh yeah, all of them are a zero to five health track where if you take one, nothing happens. Two through four are all cumulative minus ones to your ability to do anything. Uh huh. And five is you're unconscious unless it's specifically a health track made up for like magic, where now you can't do magic yeah, anymore. Etheria or toxicity or there's all the or dementia. There's a million additional health tracks. That you could potentially add for all different types of combat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dis- I don't even remember if discipline is just extra points you have to spend, right? Or does it reflect the amount that you're... So discipline is the amount, again, the baseline of how much can I spend before I get fatigued. Mm-hmm. And then you can also spend discipline to lower damage taken. <clears throat> so if someone, like, shoots at you, you can spend discipline or luck to lower the damage taken. Of course, spending discipline sucks because now your fatigue is lower, so now doing anything, you're going to get more fatigued. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just it adds to the fact that this game feels like very rocket tag of you need to come out the gate spending as many points as possible, taking one level of fatigue, but killing the other guy. Yes. And then going, great, now I'm done for the day. Well, especially because of how the XP system works. Where if you would like to earn experience, you only get experience in two fashions in this game. Uh, one of them is by succeeding at a challenging or higher task, which means a task with a difficulty of at least four. Yep. Uh, and if not, then failing at, at, at that sort of task, uh, but in a way where the GM dictates or determines that you had sufficient r- good role-playing to be worthy of entertaining the table and thus be, be uh, worthy of an XP. The amount that this game continues to talk about like, oh, you can do a thing. And then maybe if someone has good role playing and I'm like, dude, don't make don't. a poor mechanic of your no. game. How like subjectively you think someone role played a thing. Yeah. It's never good. But I mean, I would, this game already has kind of a basically mother may I mechanic is it's only core mechanic at all. And then to add in one that's judging people based on their their acting abilities that is always on. So you're always having to do it. And if you ever forget, you're just going to have your angry players because they're like, I thought I did a great job acting there. And he said nothing. Nothing. How am I not worthy of an additional experience point? The thing that gets me is XP is you can only get it for specific skills. Mm -hmm. And so skills themselves are rated from unskilled, which you just either can't use the skill or you have nothing that is added to it. Yeah. Then novice proficient and expert, which adds plus one, plus two, or plus three for free to that thing, whatever you're doing. Yeah. So if I'm trying to do again, punch a guy Mm -hmm. and I'm using brawling and I, you know, have to hit a challenging or higher thing and I manage to get it, I get an XP, but it goes into brawling. XP can be spent on whatever skill the XP you got for it to do that skill better. Yeah. 
Uh, it's the only way you would actually really usually end up fatiguing yourself. Because mm-hmm. normally you'd be like, well, I've got two fitness. I'll spend the two fitness I get per turn on my fitness thing. Because yeah. I'm only going to do one thing per turn. You can do multiple, but it's so hard to accomplish anything anyway. You may as well just do one. Yeah. And then if you want and you've got extra XP there, you're like, oh, I've got, you know, three XP. You can spend up to three is the max. You can add that onto the amount of effort expended on it, but it'll probably fatigue you. Yes. <clears throat> so, the skills themselves are uh, based on whatever the attribute that they are done for, so that you're always like, all right, I have to spend, I can only spend from that attribute. And then for that skill, I get free if I've got stuff in it. Mm-hmm. It, God, it just sucks because at first you're looking at it and you're like, all right, that's fine. I assume that probably I should have at least like a two or a three because it, the range goes from negative one to five. So you look at that range and think two is average. Yes. And you look at the chart and you're like, oh, well, two is sort of a routine task, which means if nothing's fucking me up, then I should be able to do a routine task Mm -hmm. normally. All of that math seems to add up. But you're not average, are you? No, the average for a person, the typical stat, the normal human is a zero. Uh Uh-huh. And the game itself has three levels of play. You can play it dramatic, heroic, or epic. Yes. Dramatic will give you two points to put into your four stats or three points if you've got five. Uh-huh. And at best, you can have a plus two. Yes, you can have one plus two and one... Pl- you can also voluntarily reduce stats from zero to minus one in exchange for a plus one somewhere else, provided you don't go over that plus two cap at the dramatic level. Yeah, which means that at the dramatic level, when you're like... The base level. I'm playing as, you know, a gritty noir guy. Yeah, Joe Human. <clears throat> their base character that they use for all the examples is a detective at the dramatic level. Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you're like, okay, so most of my stats are probably going to be zero unless I took a negative one to something, which means if I don't have a skill in it, I can't do a trivial task without being lucky. Yeah. One of the examples they give for a trivial task is like going up a flight of stairs. So an average person who doesn't have athletic skill, who's just like, oh, I'm just a regular person, I don't go to the gym at all, I just exist in the world, has to be lucky to make it up a flight of stairs. Or make a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's wild. By the way, I, I I found this annoying as well. It's super minor. Their their constant example character is a, a, a hard-boiled old guy detective yeah. named Stan Winston. Uh, uh, this is probably just bothering me, but Stan Winston is a, a film director, like like a relatively fa- nice, super famous one. But yeah, like, he directed Congo. Like, oh yeah. Like so, every time I saw that, I was like, "Why would you name him that? Right? <laughs> give, give him a name that's not a famous film director." Plus, even in their example for task resolution, it's Detective Winston wants to jump across a gap when he's running on the rooftops. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He has a plus one. In his fitness. So he's already above average in how strong and healthy he is. Uh Uh-huh. He has novice athletics, so he's even more athletic than the average person. He has put some time into being athletic. He also spends a point of luck 
So he is not only above average athletics and good at it and lucky. So he has three points. But jumping this know. gap, however, is a a challenging. So not even the high end, the middle normal road, challenging. Difficulty four. He fails. Uh huh. And I was looking at, at that, going, if your scale is a guy who is good at this fails a regularly challenged task with spending a non-renewable resource that you can decide to get back based on GM whim. Semi-renewable, yeah, because it's it's another thing that's entirely measured by how good your role-playing is. I'm like, that sucks ass. (laughs) You just described a character that's like, oh, this guy should be able to do this. He does not, though. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that fucking blows. Now, you may be thinking, okay, fine, but that's the dramatic level. Like, why don't we move up to the you know, slightly larger than life level. Let's make it heroic, which is like the level where you'd be, I'm making an Indiana Jones or like a, like a shield agent or something. Yeah. Uh, in that case, instead of getting two points uh, to, sp- to spend with a cap of two on all your stats starting at zero, you get four points to spend uh, with an additional plus one if you use the influence stat. Uh, to sp- uh, So again, you can end up with a plus one in all of your stats or a plus two or three to one stat with, a, with smaller numbers to the others. And at that point, yes, you can potentially routinely succeed on some challenging successes if there's something that you happen to have personally specialized in. Oh, yeah. Because if you're like, I'm going to take my four points, I can have a max of plus four. I'm just going to put it all into like creativity and go, yeah, I'm a weird creative genius. That's my whole deal is I can like make creative decisions yeah. and I don't use green because it's not a creative color. Yeah. And at that point, you're like, great. Now, a challenging task I can generally succeed on normally because I put all of my heroic level eggs into the single basket that is that. Mm -hmm. But even then, once you just skip past this section and start getting to the rest of the book where you're like, ooh, a whole section on combat stunts. What are these? Oh, they're a uh, way to inform you that if you ever try to do anything interesting in in describing your character's actions, you're just going to take a penalty to that or or an increase to the difficulty of the thing you're trying to do. Yeah, because the book is split up into a lot of different things. There's the basic game, which is what we've been describing so far. Uh Uh-huh. And that one just sort of has some generic nonsense like, oh, you've got the five grades of difficulty. There's not really anything else. You just do that. When you get to the advanced version, it's just, well, what makes this advanced? Oh, we made it so things are harder. Now there are rules for increasing the difficulty, or if you try and do something and it's dangerous, you'll take damage for trying it. Yeah. And again, you may be wondering, like, okay, with that Detective Winston thing, why did he try to leap across that gap if he knew that he was putting together a three and he assumed that challenge rating was difficult? He didn't. He assumed that challenge rating was going to be trivial. He doesn't get to know the difficulty until after he announces the final number. The weird thing for me is looking at it in a baseline, I'm a player of this game, you know that the standard numbers are one, two, like four, six, eight. Yes. Which means when he spent the extra one luck to go to a three, that was pointless in the base game because there is no reason to do that unless you are trying to get overkill. Yeah, overkill is the additional points over a success rating that you're trying to get at, uh, and they grant you additional benefits which are non-defined. They are entirely up to DM discretion. Yeah. I if think it's, except it's damage. Yeah. If yeah. it's specifically combat and you overkill something by enough, you get one or two more points of damage. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, if you're doing a regular skill and you overkill it, then you get just like, oh, you did it better. Mm-hmm. 
And that's pretty much it. And again, I'm like, there'd be no reason to overkill jumping by one. If you're like, ah, you got over there and you looked, I don't know, good doing it. Not that it mattered. You Mm -hmm. were just chasing some perp. But at that point, I'm like, I would never go to three. You'd always want to at least go to one of the tiers. Because if you were off, you're like, oh, I overkilled by two or more, which is usually the point where they say, oh, that's when you get a good benefit. Yeah. Because if you overkill by one, you're like, you get a minor thing. And if it's two or more, you get better. Yeah. And if you go lower than that, then you're always going to look at it as going, oh, I was at three and I should have been at four. I should have pushed up one extra. Yeah. It. And of course, this all falls apart when you move to the advanced rules, where there's so many things that can move that difficulty around almost exclusively up. Like, the only thing I found that made anything easier was trying to shoot at large targets. Oh, yeah. there. I mean, there are things like, oh, if you take a whole round of aiming, you can get just plus one free add to your yeah, expenditure. But, that, but, but I'm talking specifically about difficulty ranks. Oh, yeah. The only thing that moves difficulty down that I found in the entire game was was the target is enormous. Every single other thing is is a, a positive difficulty modifier, which is a, 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 a that combat section was driving me nuts because it was like, let's look at this list of combat stunts. And it was like, Trying to shoot with your offhand. Trying to shoot while climbing on a ladder. It's a little bit windy outside. It's nighttime. And I was like, shooting at nighttime is not a stunt. You need to rename this chapter. Yeah. Like, I think one of the few times you get lower difficulty in the advanced stuff is if you're like, I'm doing a, like, burst or higher fire rate of fire weapon, and I'm at point blank range, oh, yeah, that's then true. I get a minus one difficulty because I'm just putting so many bullets right next to a guy. Yeah, that is true. That is another one that does it. But it's there's so few things in there because most of them are just, all right, you tried to aim shot. Well, that's going to cost you. You tried to disarm a guy, that'll cost you. Mm-hmm. You tried to do a quick draw, that's going to cost you. So you, you're thinking, okay, great. Well, how do I improve my character such that I can get over these ridiculously difficult humps so I can actually go upstairs and make sandwiches? How do I get good at these kinds of things? Well, it's, it's perfectly simple. You just need to earn XP. How do you earn XP? We already mentioned that. It's either by doing something failing in a goofy or stupid way that the DM or the GM will qualify as good role-playing, or... Uh, succeeding on something that has a challenge rating of at least four, which, as we mentioned earlier, if you're playing a dramatic character, is virtually impossible without blowing your entire luck load on that one roll. Yeah. Um, uh, once you do that, you get one XP. Would you like to in- increase a skill? Well, it'll only work on that skill, yep. the skill you just earned XP skill on. tracks its own XP. So it has its own XP track, and how much will it cost you? Uh, it's not based on the rating you currently have. It's just a flat 20. Yeah. Now note, you expend XP to be able to succeed at things. That's right. That's what discipline was for. <clears throat> so you're like, oh, I'm going to try and like do this thing. I've got three XP because I failed three times, and I don't want to fail this time. Well, I guess I'll spend three and bump up my stuff. I'll take a fatigue level mm-hmm. because I'm going above my discipline, but by God, I'll at least succeed. Well, now I don't have those three XP. I spent them. So getting to the point where you have banked 20 XP in a specific skill, you can bump it up one point. Yeah. And that gives you plus one to that ability going forward. Yeah. The whole game to me feels like the, uh, remember that 30 Rock sketch when they were showing a new game show and it was called Homonyms? And all you had to do was they'd say, the, the guy with the briefcase of the paper would say like, pair. And you'd have to be like, uh, it means two of something, like a, like a pair of two things. And he goes, no, it's the other one. <laughs> 
That's what this feels like to me because it's entirely, I assembled a six difficulty. Uh, it was seven. There's no accountability. There's no metric by which you're determining these difficulties. It's entirely up to the whim of the GM. There's rubrics for how he's supposed to do it, but there are so many of them that there's no way you can't assemble whatever difficulty pool you happen to want. And if your game has one mechanic, it had better have some fucking accountability or else it's going to look like you're just playing a game of Mother May I for fun. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where in a diceless system, I look at it and I go, baby, you are a hair's breadth away from just being a fucking improv game Uh that the mechanics you do put in there need to be able to be like, oh, I can engage with these meaningfully as a player. Yes. Because otherwise, why am I not just role-playing? Put simply, if your game is nothing but I have some amount of spendable, expendable resources, you should be able to spend those resources to accomplish tasks and not for a chance. You're not anteing, you're accomplishing if you're building a diceless game. Yeah, the fact that you basically go, all right, well, here's the number I got, did I succeed or not? And the GM... Even if they are playing the way you should, where it's like, oh, you're supposed to set the difficulty and then ask them for their number. Even then, if you're like, well, fuck, I set it at six and you said you got a four. I, Sorry, dude, you don't get it. Then Even if you're not cheating, yeah. You, Which you don't need to be. No, you'd like you can engage with this without being, you know, the worrisome asshole. But it won't matter because on the other side of it, to the player, you're like, yeah, but did you set it at six before I said I had a four? Or did you just do that because you're like, oh, you set it to four because you think it was this. Well, fuck you. Yeah, because now you're at the point where you're like, well, everyone has to write down the amount of points they're managing to expend and the DM has to write down the difficulty. You'll have to flip them at once or else you're just building bad blood. I mean, especially, especially. given that this game has like contested between yep. players and there's no guideline for like who says what first. Do we have to write it down and reveal do we do a bidding system? Of, I go like, I'm going to expend four effort. And the other guy goes, I'll do five. And then you have to sit there and go, all right, well, do I see or raise you? Like, yeah. there is no metric for how that happens in game. They're just like, anyway, you'll figure it out. This is a skeleton. <laughs> yeah. So the rest of the book, we've just basically explained the basic metric. The rest of the book is basically everything else you would need to assemble to make a role-playing game. So how do you add a magic system? How do you add gun combat? How do you add complicated psychic powers or, or modifying the gear list? And you, we've already heard every possible lever this game has, which is largely just how many points can you add to a topic? Can you spend points on behalf of other people? Uh, what's the difficulty of the task? Yeah, they, so the entire rest of the game just messes with those couple of things. They have flares, which are, okay, well, instead of having just a stat, you can now spe- specify what in that stat you are good at. So if you're like, I don't like that fitness exists, I wish there was actually strength and dexterity split out into their own specific things. You can go, all right, if you want a strong but not dexterous character, you can have a flare of plus one to strength, minus one to dexterity, so if your fitness is two, you're like, ah, oh, but actually I've got a three strength and a one dexterity. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's the advanced, the, the basic model of the advanced rules is to add flair, which is where you're allowed to, I forget the, there's a there's a cap to how much of it you're supposed to be doing, but but where you can say things like, well, I am, uh, I've got my influence score and I'm better at leadership than I am at knowing how money moves around. So I've got a flair of two to leadership and minus two to money. Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, generally, I think 
the flare is half whatever your max would be. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, for a dramatic game, your max stat is a plus two, so your max flare is plus one. Yeah. For a heroic, it's four, so your max flare is two. Yeah, you also can't have a negative flare that takes you below a negative one on a stat. So if you had like a strength of zero and you applied a a, a uh, lifting flare negative two to it, you'd be forced to change that down to a negative one and put the rest somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, because negative, I mean, negative one is just when you apply any allowed level of, e- uh, of effort from all your other sources put together, you just apply a negative one or a minus one to the end of it because you have a negative one in that stat. God, the fact that the game's like, oh, you could have a negative one in a thing in order to get a plus one when you're building your character. And here's the amount of maximum negative ones in stats you could have. And I'm like, why would you ever have a negative one? It sucks so hard trying to do anything in this and to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to try and expend effort on this and then lose one immediately blows so hard. <laughs> I mean, if you're using influence, it's a great option because you can just take your, your uh, whichever stat you want that you're primarily pulling away all of its stuff to put into influence instead, set that to minus one and be like, yeah, I'm just never going to use reason. Well, I won't. I've, I've taken the parts of reason I gave a shit about, stuffed them into influence, bumped influence way up, and used inf- reason as a bank to build my influence. Oh. oh, and then I took flair to get the parts of influence I care about and made them even higher. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So uh, that I can except sort of you can't because you'd be like, oh, I can't put a negative flare into this if I've got minus oh, one. Oh, you don't have to. You just find something else you never want to do and put the flare there instead. No, because all the flares have to be within the same thing. They do not. It specifically has a line item that says you the flares do not ne- or negative flares do not be apl- need to be applied to the same ability the positive flare was applied to. Ooh, look at me! I remembered a thing, but that's just because I made my character like twenty minutes ago. Uh, I mean, that's not true. I've been recording for forty, uh, but um. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it, it's just not a game that sparks a lot of joy, especially because when you're reading your way through it, it's just every game term you've ever heard is in this. Yeah. Just one after another. The, you make your way slowly through all these different basic game terms, and here they almost all boil down to one of the same couple of core mechanics. I mean, it's still just you can get a number and check it against a difficulty, and then like the optional rules for like, Oh, you can have health tracks. They're all still a zero to five health track uh-huh. that gives a minus one to whatever you're doing in the two, three, four, and then you're out at five. But do you want a health track for your mind in dementia? Do you want a health track for your magic in etheria? Do you want a health track for poison in toxemia, but the poison might be doing injury or it might be doing fatigue damage or mm-hmm. it might, I'm like, dude, this sucks ass, especially because the more forms of health damage you have the worse off a character is because if i'm like well i've got i'm fatigued by two so i'm at minus one i'm injured by two so i'm at another minus one mm-hmm. i'm a dementia two so i'm at another minus one yeah. i'm at minus three to whatever i do and getting two or three was hard enough and anyway i may as well just lie down and go no, i'm good i'm slightly tired and a little frazzled but i can't do anything 
Yes, yeah. So you don't want to add more health tracks. Fatigue is also interesting insofar as it literally is how tired you are in a lot of situations. If you're expending a lot of discipline, you get fatigue levels. So you know you're you're tired. You're you're actually running out of energy. But it's also your stun damage track. So all blunt option or blunt weapons do fatigue damage. Oh yeah. You know how when you've been working real hard at your job all day and you're like, I've really gone above and beyond and I worked like way more than I should have and I put in a lot and then someone slaps you on the back and you fall asleep? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know how there's nothing that makes you fall asleep faster than just getting wailed on by like a big bat? Yeah. You're like, oh man, I'm so Restful. tired. And then someone whacks you on the head with a blackjack and you're like, oh, thanks. I needed that. <laughs> oh, so good. Honk shoe, honk shoe. <laughs> also, it's abbreviated to fat. So yeah. the weapons do like three fat damage. Blunt weapons in particular do three fat damage, which, you know, at least I do appreciate it when my blunts are fat. Exactly. I get, that's that's good for me. That's a good joke. It's a good joke. Thank you. Can I put that one on the fridge? <laughs> no. Oh. We can't let the kids see that joke. <laughs> Can I put it in that special cabinet I have where I keep all my, like, vape shit? Yeah. Okay, good. Yay. <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, there's just a million other tools that are used for moving things around. We haven't even gotten into all of the ones that are part of basic character creation. Like gimmicks, for example, are just sort of some shit that's about your character. There's no mecha- mechanic for how you get them or how you spend on them or anything. Half of them don't do anything, and half of them do the most powerful shit you could imagine. Oh yeah, because gimmicks are just like, oh, are you know, if you made a cop, because the main character in this is a cop, they're like, oh, he has the authority gimmick, so he can show up and be like, an authoritative presence, and that's a gimmick that he's got. And some of them are bad, where it's like, oh, you're a fugitive. You're on the run from the law. Like, you are fucked if anyone finds you. But okay? then some of them are shit like pain tolerance, which is you've built up resistance to pain over the years, and you know all that health track shit we were just whining about? It just doesn't apply to you at all. You're immune to pain and can ignore all penalties caused by fatigue and injury holy shit are you fucking kidding me <laughs> i can just take a gimmick that says no i don't deal with your whole ass like one of the three mechanics that exist in this game i do not deal with that also in the chapter before gimmicks there's a whole complicated section for how to calculate and modify your wealth via a mechanic that i think are called special aspects yeah uh but then one of the gimmicks is just wealthy you can just buy whatever you want yeah the the fact that wealth is a special aspect where you're like, oh, I can spend wealth points to buy things and they'll regenerate at, you know, the end of a story or whatever. Or it's a gimmick for wealth and it just means I can buy stuff without expending a thing. And I just keep looking at it going like, dude, you put wealth as a special aspect two pages ago. Look back <laughs> at what you just wrote. Why did you put it twice as two different things? I don't know. I mean, I assume, again, because this game isn't really a game. It's a framework by which someone could, like, make a game, which means that someone might want to do the special aspects where someone else might want to do the gimmicks in terms of how you determine whether or not you're wealthy. I mean, I hope you don't want to do the gimmicks because, again, they're entirely based on just... If the GM lets you. Because the the whole section is just, I don't know, ask your GM if this sounds right for your character. And I just imagine every single player who reads through the beginning of this going, hey, does tolerance to pain sound right for my character? Uh, my background is I... I grew up in a rock tumbler. I, I grew up in someone burned my nerves off? I was raised by Snoopy's creepy Uncle Spike. You know that guy who sleeps in a cactus? I should get pain tolerance. Yeah, that's me. Spike Jr. Let me get that pain that's tolerance. That's me, Spike Jones. Except I also won the lottery, so I get the wealthy one. 
Give me all these gimmicks. That's why I don't. That's why I don't sleep in a cactus anymore. Even though I can. Yeah, and there is no in character creation limit on gimmicks. It's just again, I don't know. Ask your GM. This isn't a game of, that actually has rules for things. What are you talking about? Yeah, and then once you get into advanced, there's just a ton more of these things that you get to look through. There's there uh, you can replace all of the skill system with something called fields of experience. Yeah, uh, which is really worth getting into. It's basically just like instead of having you know, uh, a starting specific skills, specific skills. You've got big old general skills. Yeah. So instead of going like, all right, I'm a cop and I've got criminology and I've got driving and I've got like gunplay or whatever. You just go, I have the cop field of expertise and anything that would be under cop would be with that. Mm, fair so cop. if I want to, I don't know, like shoot a dog, then I would be able to use my uh-huh. field of expertise in cop. Yeah. But, you know, only if that dog was, you know, in your way or around or in your Anywhere line of sight. Making any amount of noise. Uh-huh. You know, only then. Only, yeah. Specifically only then. Yeah. Um, there's, we didn't of talk course, about- I will have a gimmick of vulnerability to- uh, Acorns. <laughs> Acorns. Yeah, obviously. Uh, it's hot Someone off the presses. Someone's fentanyl near me. <laughs> or just fen. Like, even just any fen. Like, if you're near a swamp, then you'll probably die of exposure to fen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, th- we didn't get into principles yet. Nope. Principles are roughly the game's alignment system, give or take. Uh, like everything else in this game, basically they're just like, what are your principles? Well, let's divide them into three sections for no reason. You got, you got, uh, like conda or what are they? They're, uh, they're your values. Codes. Your, yeah. Your codes, which is sort of like, oh, what I believe in. There's faults, which are sort of your, your personal character flaws. And then there's objectives, which are your goals. And all three of them are basically just like, uh, if the GM says, hey, there's a thing that's testing that, then you can, you have to pay resources not to be tested by it. Yeah, you can get stuff out yeah, of it you if like you're like, oh, luck. you role played real well at, I don't know, having a religious conviction. So here's a point, I guess. Yeah. I also, I, I haven't brought this up in a long ass time because we haven't been reading games where it's been relevant for some time, but this game's got a weird answer to the old seduction skill test. Yep. Insofar as the seduction skill is described as the ability to seduce the opposite sex for, for uh, information you require, and then in parentheses, or the same sex. Yeah. I was like, then why did you, what the fuck? Just don't put it at all. Just put seduce people. You don't. Need to specify if you're going to immediately say, also, that specificity doesn't matter. I mean, it still does, because now we've just added non-binary folks to the spectrum of the co- of the chronically ignored. Ah. But uh, just don't say that shit. Why? I understand you have word count to fill, but this is just a PDF. You don't. Yeah, it's weird. It's just, I don't know why that's there. But hey. <laughs> We're we're back on our seduction list bullshit. <laughs> it's been a minute. I think people had thought I had given up on that. No, I just we hadn't seen it in a bad way in a couple of games. Yeah, it's just usually games nowadays don't do that, and we have been on a streak of viewing some more modernish games, uh, and even the ones that we haven't been, like the you know the fucking Marvel uh, Saga edition is from the mid '90s, but it uh, it's not a game where seduction is an important function. Yeah. So so yeah, we just hadn't seen it in a bit, but here it is again, just doing it in the weirdest way. Yep. I mean, in the way that this game would, which is to say, here is how this works, but also it might not work that way. Like, God <laughs> fucking damn it. Quit being a skeleton and decide on how your shit works. I mean, I like that it does say, or the same sex, implying that you have to choose. Yeah. 
<laughs> I can seduce one or the other. And also, because the game is entirely a framework for how to write your own role-playing game, that means you have to choose at the gameplay level and not at the individual personal level. So you have to determine whether the world is gay or not at the start of your game. <laughs> uh, no, I like to imagine it's the way that all bisexuals work, which is that they are good at seducing one of the two things they are. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because all bisexuals only care about Women and five men. Women and men. All women and five men. Yeah. That's all bisexuals. Every bisexual, regardless of what you are, likes all women and five men. Uh-huh. <laughs> they just want five guys and every woman. <laughs> and we do mean the burger place. Yes. That is what I mean. Yeah. I'm allowed to make this I joke. I want a burger I'm, and ladies. <laughs> I'm granting you permission to briefly make this joke because I'm bisexual myself. Uh-huh. And I'm attracted to all women and five men. Yeah. And all five of them are famous. It's like Javier Bardem and... And that's it. That's it. It's five Javier Bardems. <laughs> that's that's my dream. Five Javier Bardems serving me way too expensive of a hamburger. <laughs> a hamburger that you're like, this is pretty good, but I don't know if it's worth like $15. I don't know what's the deal with it. Well, we also do give you a giant sack of greasy fries. Okay, Just, but you're also charging me for that. It's Why an, is the burger itself so expensive? <laughs> I'm just coming here for the free peanuts. I just come in, get a bowl of peanuts, and then go, eh, this is your problem. You <laughs> kick me out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What else did you want to talk about here? Did we, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest with you. The, the very end of the book has some sections on rule systems for other games that are written by the same author, I think, that are very similar but different. So I think they just took an op Because we read the second edition of this. Oh, yeah. I do want to say, it also has, in... A classic system mastery, just like seduction. This has vehicle rules for no fucking reason. Oh, yeah. They're like, hey, man, uh, I know we've been talking about how our very bare bones game works, and there's almost no rules for anything. Here's an entire section on rules for vehicles. And I'm uh-huh. like, dude, why? They're not different enough to be worth their own section either. They're like, hey, how does a vehicle work? Oh, it's basically like having another character. Uh-huh. It also has a one to five track for its health. It has its own stats, its own aspects, its own gimmicks. And you're like, dude, why? Part of me appreciates that. I mean, I don't think it's necessary for this game, but the idea of how do you do a vehicle combat section? Here's a whole fucking character sheet. It looks exactly the same and it works exactly the same, but it's for a car. Now you're going to play an entire adventure as a car. <laughs> then I kind of appreciate the gumption of that is as a solution to how vehicle rules are always shitty. Yeah, it's just amazing to me that I'm like, every time a game has vehicle rules, they were like, hey, we made a game and then a separate different little game for vehicles. Uh And this game went, dude, I know we are nothing like normal games. We're not like other games, but also we are going to include an entirely separate thing for vehicles because that's what you have to do. But hey, as long as we're doing a breakdown of the other chapters included in this book, let's mention that there's one for LARPing where it it, uh, replaces... The mechanic largely with just sort of rock, paper, scissors are still comparative, but now you are. It does explain how you do a silent bidding war where you reveal your the, the number you were thinking of when written it, when, uh, that's written down in your hand for the purposes of winning uh, contested effects. And thankfully in the LARP one, they're just like, oh, uh, for most trivial or like standard things, just don't worry about it. It just happens. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that should be the baseline. Yeah, it should. Uh, there's one for how to adapt any other game into this game. Yeah, for you're like, you... oh, did you want to turn your D&D game into active exploits? That's weird, but I guess you can do that. Yeah, and it works by averaging out your stats, because you have less stats here than you do in most other games. You know, it's only a four-stat system. So it's like, hey, to calculate uh, a Dungeons & Dragons character, you're going to take the average of your strength and dexterity uh, and turn them into a mid-range slush. So if you're making a thief or something, you suck now. Yeah, but I guess you'll have to flare your decks up. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Whatever. This is four pages. We just slapped together a, did you want to turn something into this? Largely just D&D and White Wolf, because there's also one for if your stats range from one to ten, or uh, yeah, one to five dots, and another one for if it's one to ten. Um, but uh, then there's a, a section, there's two sections that are just other RPGs that these people have written, and here's some like notes on them, which at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm good. I've read hundreds of pages of this, and I don't want to read a whole new game and get confused by it, so I let those two set pages sit. There is an entire chapter of just hey here are some settings you could have and instead of it being specific it's just like i don't know you're in wizard town you're yeah. in martial arts land yeah the setting chapter is like setting ideas magic here's five kinds of magical creatures that may be in charge of granting you spells they could be gods or shambhalas or genies or fairies or ghosts great what was that this just some things we thought of that's just words we knew. Just some words we knew. So here they are. Hey, what if I'm in the martial arts setting? Uh, then you've got key. And here's the I Ching for some reason. And you can, I don't know, wear a Korean belt. We have a whole explanation of the difference between Japanese and Chinese belt rewards for going up in ranks in various martial arts, along with some disabusing of notions about how belts work because Americans have it all wrong. Yeah. Uh, thanks and here's just lists of maybe some gimmicks you could use i suppose yeah. like, all right dude cool great Neat. did you actually have a setting in mind no okay it's no just... it's just here's rules if you wanted to have a guy throw a kick no nope. all right sure dude <laughs> uh and that i guess is about yeah. it i mean we didn't get into combat all that much but it's it uses the exact same engine the only difference is uh, initiative in this game is I think everyone go everyone goes simul unless you spend your yeah, effort for the turn to go first. Yeah, and if you do that and someone else does as well, then you still go simul. Yeah. Um, and then there's also a section on what you can do in combat, and it's things like you can move, you can attack, you can defend, you can. But these are all like just doing that. So if you're like you can move, you have to expend effort to move though. Yes. So if you want to go like I'm going to move five feet that way. Well, great. That took some effort from you. Did you want to do anything else? Well, they don't even no. say whether or not you can. I think you're allowed to split your actions up because the fact that everything costs in yeah. effort. Uh, but they're just like, here's the actions you can take during a combat turn. You can move. You can defend. You can fight. And I was like, can you do all of these or can you do one? What do you do? What's the choice? Yeah, you can do all of them, but you don't have enough effort to do all of them. So you may as well pick one. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I read this wrong. We, I've recently been... Harping on this concept a lot because I've seen it in other threads and so on. That there, uh, that there is a sort of backlash again, and not specifically against us. We're not big enough to earn a backlash uh, against RPG reviews from people that did not extensively play that RPG. Yes, and I understand that notion, but I feel like it's moving a foot, uh, moving goalposts around, largely because a game like this is so determined by whether or not your GM is on some bullshit. Yeah, I mean. The fact that this game is just a framework that a GM would have to work so much more than most other games to be like, all right, I got to turn this into something mm -hmm. and provide like some guidelines for my players to actually make a character in. So the question I find myself asking every time I finish reading a role-playing game nowadays, because I've been poisoned by reading that, con uh, that uh, content online, which again, I don't even necessarily find fault with beyond that it does tend to fall apart under close examination is, am I qualified to discuss this game in this ma in this manner? 
having only read it and not tried to play it. And I have to say, as a result of reading this one, I feel very qualified. Mm. This doesn't look like the system would really work all that well without the GM bending over backwards to force it to. Yeah, there's so much in this that is so reliant on the GM to be like, all right, I've got to be able to, you know, craft a world. I've got to have a list of, like, available. Maybe if I'm using different aspects, am I using different abilities am i using some weird gimmicks what do i do what am i not doing am i aware that my players are likely to fail on even the trivial tasks unless i unless i somehow modify the system so that they don't it ends up being a thing where so much of the pressure of running this game is put onto the gm that it feels again like it should just be saying hey, this isn't a game for a dude to run, like, a thing in. This is for someone to design a game with if yes. they want to use a diceless system. Yeah, and I feel like even in, it, even to further extrapolate on that thought, this game leaves the GM's ass hanging in the fucking breeze. They leave them with so much work to do, and at the end of the day, they still end up looking like an asshole every time they tell you you failed at something just because they are arbitrarily setting the difficulties. Whether they're doing that behind a counter or not, at the, you're going to be like, I managed to cobble together five. Not good enough, but don't worry it was already not good enough. I didn't just say it was not good enough now because I wanted you to fail. You can trust me on that. Also, I got to say, just the way it is written, I had to read how effort expenditure worked like eight times. Mm -hmm. Because at first I was like, all right, do I have a pool of effort equal to my discipline? No, you have a pool of effort equal to your stat for that action. I'm like, well, what if I'm doing two different, like if I'm moving, but also I want to like solve a puzzle. Like if I'm running while I do a Rubik's cube, then I'm using fitness and reasoning. So would I then have all of my fitness pool and all of my reasoning pool to do those two actions at a turn. But then if I spend more points than the discipline total, then I get fatigued. Or is it only if I spend as much, per a thing like i had to go over it so many times to go jesus how does this work do i just have free points i can spend because it always talks about spending effort yeah and i'm like from what from what is it from the discipline pool or from the what what, yeah no discipline is not a thing you spend from outside of a very narrow point where you can use it normally you just spend from luck but sometimes you spend from discipline but only for this and i'm like dude fucking God damn it. The other thing... Write better. Yeah. The other thing that gets me here, and again, this is a thing that makes... uh, This game, like I was talking, is very dry. Like, it's just recitation of of rules for a very long time. And the very few times that it shows any kind of personality in the writing is to be a dick, (laughs) which is not a fun thing to come across. Because every once in a while, you'll be like, oh, uh, how do you spend XP to earn a skill? Well, you you need to uh, spend 20 XP that you got from just failing on that skill or, or succeeding at that skill over and over and over and over again. But you can't just raise a skill. That's not something people just do. You're be- you're, you're no player- one just gets better at things over time. Not by practicing, no. Your players better have a fucking damn good explanation for why they're trying to learn a new skill point or, oh, even yeah. a, or especially a new skill. Because if you want to take a new skill at novice, that's the one where it's like, no one ever does that. No one ever picks up new skills. If your players are trying to do that, you better question the shit out of them. They better have a damn good reason why they're getting a new skill. And it better not be because I want to. Yes. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's just taking night classes. What do you want? I mean, that's the problem is that any time that you're... Uh, designation for whether or not something can be accomplished in game is whether or not your player can come up with a, an in-game reason for it. You might as well not have that because they can. They're creative people. 
They'll just say things like, yeah, I met a fairy in the woods and he taught me it. it and It's a game where there's fairies in the woods, right? And most players aren't going to be like, so we've been doing a whole game and my character has been fully focused all of this time on running in face first and just beating the shit out of stuff uh, and yelling while he does it. Anyway, I have stealth now. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but you're like a player wouldn't get that because they know that's not what I do. Most of the time when a player wants to get a skill, it's because they're like, oh, I've been trying to do that in the game and I suck at it. And I would like to have it because I real didn't realize when I made my character how big of a part of this game it would be. We're like, oh, I didn't realize we were doing detective game and I don't have any investigation. I should probably have some. And yeah. so I've been spending most of this game watching people do detective shit. And then I picked it up a little bit. <clears throat> not, not good enough. I need a weird reason. It yeah. just... It feels like your players should have a damn good reason. They do, and it's because they want it, because yeah. it's part of the game. Yeah, and by the same token, there's one for, you're not supposed to do this. The game has an allowance for it if you think that you really need to, which is raising any of your ability stats. The game thinks that your ability stats should be set in stone from the moment you start character play and never change. Yep. So for if you have a plus two to fitness, it should be a plus two to fitness forever. But, the game says, you may be allowed to raise one stat by one once. Uh, if if the GM thinks that that's okay, and again, you have a damn good reason for it. It still costs 20 XP, and you have to spend the XP all from skills that are related to that stat. Uh, because it says people don't, you know, the, the, you, you, you're going to bang your head against the wall until you're good. And I'm like, but that's terrible story structure. Like, the story structure should be like, I'm trying to solve this problem with my muscles. I'm using fitness and throwing my fitness at this problem over and over again, and I'm failing. Well, gee, if I can't fight harder... I should probably fight, go ahead and finish the idiom for me game, harder. harder. Fuck you, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and the fact that your XP can only be spent on the skill that you already had it on is like, all right, well, <clears throat> the given that the main way you get it is succeeding at difficult things, it's like, but I'm already good at succeeding at those things, and now you've just given me XP so I can succeed more. It's just a win more mechanic, whereas I'm like, if I could spend my XP to succeed at shit I normally don't, that would be nice. But instead, if I want to do that, my character has to keystone cops around just being like, oh, I have to really sell my failure? Well, I... And I slip on a banana peel and fall down and fart. Did I get an XP? Is that good enough for you, master? <laughs> and then once I get that, I'm like, fucking fine. I spend two XP on this thing and now I succeed. Hooray. Anyway, I guess I'll go back to being the world's dumbest clown again until I get to do something. Yeah. Well, I think we should probably call it because we're just getting extra. We're just angry. We're just mad now because I had to read this. I'm just so angry at this game for, I won't say no reason. For having the temerity to be. Just the dignities of it. (laughs) How dare you? You don't need to exist. That's not fair. This game, I'm sure there's people out there who like this. I mean, it's on its second edition and the back of the book has a bunch of games written in this engine that this company has managed to put out. So, there, it's selling. There are people out there who have played this and like this, and I'm willing to allow that we're just wrong. Yeah. Hey, maybe I have a bad opinion. That's very possible and, in fact, likely. Mm-hmm. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Yep. And it'll happen to you. So just putting that out there as a caveat. We are not the the end-all, be-all. We are not 100% correct all the time. But, sometimes, but we are on this. But sometimes <laughs> there's a game that we just don't resonate with, and this is one of them. What was your favorite thing about active exploits? Oh, man. Uh, 
my favorite thing about active exploits is, is the good part of the active exploits where it told me I was good. Uh I think <laughs> the best thing in this is probably the fact that it does allow for the GM to make stuff like the fact that it is a bare bones system and they went okay well if you want to add aspects or gimmicks or whatever like skill things to this here's the rules for how you do that mm -hmm. here's you know the couple settings of like here's examples of what you would add in that's good because at least it wasn't just here's a skeleton have fun it at least was like here's a skeleton and i will point you at a pile of meat that you might be able to use yes and that at least is helpful fair what is your favorite part well, of this? There's a section at the very end, uh, one of the extra chapters they added towards the end, which is how to convert this to a dice-based system. Huh. And that's the best part, because the dice mechanic is like straightforward and right in front. It's just like, hey, you know, uh, instead, take the number of effort that you would have had and roll this many D6s instead, and add up your total and compare it against this chart, and here's the difficulty ranges. And if you want to increase the difficulty, then you do it by taking what the difficulty would have used to have been and multiply by 5 and add to that, so it goes up from like a, thir uh, a 15 to a 23. You get it? You're, you're up to speed, and how you, you roll over this number, and you succeed at the thing. I'm like, ooh, a dice mechanic that makes sense and isn't based on mother may I arbitrary whim stuff. Good, you did a thing. Oh. So that's my favorite part is when it's a different game that's better. Yeah. And uh, when the diceless game has dice. Yes. <laughs> Great. What's your least favorite thing? Uh there's a obviously we've been complaining for a while. There's oh, a yeah. lot of things in this that I'm not super jazzed on. Uh-huh. But the entire dramatic level of play sucks so much shit that I'm like I might not resonate with the base mechanic of the diceless system. I don't generally prefer systems like that. I feel like if I'm playing a game, I want to have the feeling of chance in there because that's how it ends up being a game instead of just role play. Mm -hmm. And that's a personal opinion. Sure. But the dramatic system in this of the three like tiers you can have is it's just it feels like an engine to make someone feel bad and not want to play where you're like. Hey man, did you want to try and do anything? You had better do that once, maybe twice in a day, and then just call it. Go home. Go home. You're done. You do, anything else you do is going to be failures, and you can fail all you want, provided you don't die. Because you know maybe you'll get XP for failing yeah. if you're funny enough. It, it's just oh, if you're playing at the dramatic level, instead of it being dramatic and like, ooh, I'm a gritty noir cop, you're like, no, you are Keystone Cops. Yeah, you have to completely sell your failure constantly so that you might succeed in the future. Yeah, you're really much more like uh, Inspector Clouseau than you are a hard bitten, hard bitten cop because you're just like, oh yeah, you're Columboing around where you're like, oh, I got, I put the, I put that information somewhere. Where did I? Oh Jesus, yeah, oh, I'm, God. I'm so, I'm so scatterbrained. And then at the Except very the end, you're like, I spend three XP and then go, oh, and this is how exactly you killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna spend this whole game being a big dumb bumbling idiot until the very end where I'm like, haha, actually I'm a genius. I mean, Columbo very rarely actually does that. He mostly just is really polite until the very end when he's just like, oh, oh and no, by the his way. His whole thing is being like a frumpled he, little. He's unassuming is no. the, the most. He's not, he's not bumbling. He's, he's uh, disarming. <laughs> uh, 
I he, mean, he I won't ingratiates say, himself. He is not bumbling in the way that like Mr. Bean is bumbling. I know. I no. say, he's much more. He's much less Clouseau and much more of like a dude who just gets inside of your good graces and then twists the. Yeah, knife. the reason you get in there is because you're like, oh, this guy has no idea what the fuck he's doing. He's mm-hmm. just sort of like farting around, picking up random shit, and looks like. He doesn't know what he's doing because he keeps failing, well, a big and then part he spends it, XP to win. The big part of it is that he buys every exp- every explanation you give him until the last second. Well, he's it's like, just be- oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, he's, they'll be like, uh, that belonged to my great aunt. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Everybody's makes got a great aunt. Yeah, I've got my great aunt in particular, always eating pie. You know, that kind of thing, where, where he's so disarming. Yeah, because he's just like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll buy whatever you're but selling. But that's not what this game is. That you, that, in this game, that would be you spend experience to lie to them, to leave them thinking that you don't understand what's going on, and then you fail at that. Yeah, no, it'd be like, oh, uh, I need you to do a challenging task to see if you believe this guy's lie. And you go, all right, well, I only have a two, so I don't. Yeah. I do believe him, and I just go, ah, that makes perfect sense. I'll be out of your hair, and I'll <laughs> just, just fuck off leave. and just leave and then come back and go, you know, I was thinking about it. <laughs> Come and back. you just do that you enough know, I times. Slept, I slept it off and got all my discipline back, and you're the murderer. <laughs> yeah, you just do that enough times until you have three XP, and then you come back and go, oh, wait a minute, actually, you're a fucking murderer, and I got you. <laughs> I got you dead of fucking rights, asshole. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Uh, What's your least favorite thing? <laughs> uh, the combat system is oh man, really bad. Yeah. yeah it it's doesn't... so rocket tag. Yeah, it is. It's very. It, it, the it, example in this is just... Oh, uh, there are two rounds of combat. In the first one, the detective gets shot and falls down and spends all of his resources to not die. The second round of combat, he spends all of his resources and instantly murders the other guy. And the only reason he's able to instantly murder the guy, even by spending his other resources, is a one-sentence intro at the beginning of that section that says, during this phase, because he got a shot off early in the last phase, the villain is feeling cocky and spends no resources. Well, spends no resources to go first. Yes. Because he's like, oh, in the first round, the villain spends a resource to go first, and the detective doesn't. And the second round, the detective spends resources to go first, and the villain doesn't. And it really teaches you a lesson right away, which is I don't think is the lesson the game would have wanted you to learn, which is just go first, always go first. Except you have to spend some of your... Well, one. Your shit, well... It's one I mean, luck to go first. Well, it's effort. So if you're like, That's I spend... Yeah. Some of my fitness to go first. All right, I also spend fitness. Well, we go at the same time, and it didn't matter. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess you're right. It's it's a uh, it's a nuclear deterrent option more than anything. The example has one of them spend and then the other one spend. When in reality, you'd be like, "Is he spending or not?" Because if he does, I do. Yeah. Except you can't. You'd be like, "Well, the GM has already decided. You tell me if mm. you spend. Write it down and put it on a put it face down on the paper on the table in front of you, or else I don't believe you." Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, there yeah. you go. So the combat system is bad, uh, not least of which because of the fatigue mechanic being both how tired you are and how beat up with a bat you are, uh, and also the ultra-complicated interactions between weapons and armor for no reason in a game that's this bare-bones otherwise. Oh, yeah. There's like 24 categories of weapon and like 15 categories of armor that have different interaction levels between them. Yeah. And, you know, like, they just have the like, oh, well, if you're wearing plate mail, then that doesn't do anything against bullets. It literally does nothing. It won't stop it at all. It can't. Medieval armor cannot affect bullets or energy weapons in any way. Nothing. It and can't like, do a thing. Yeah, you'll if you get shot and you're wearing 
a fucking breastplate, it's going to go through that breastplate and it'll fuck your shit up. But it will at least be slowed a bit, maybe. I mean, it's probably worse for you if you're wearing full armor to get shot with a gun because it's going to make it through the armor on the first pass, go through you like nothing, and then bounce off the back armor and go through you again. Uh Like, you're just going to get pureed to soup in there. But there's a chance if someone's firing a low caliber round at you and you've got, like, jousting armor on, that it will deflect it as opposed to, you know, letting it pass through like nothing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I was to be told, tomorrow I will be shot with a gun and there is nothing I can do about it, I will be shot with a gun. The one thing I am allowed is to choose to wear some medieval armor if I would like. Then I'd be like, yeah, I'll take that risk. Yeah, you know what? Maybe it'll help. I'll take the, you know, no, no, thank you. I like plain bullets. I like my uh, bullets uncut. <laughs> I just, I don't know what to do with that. Also, the energy weapon thing was funny to me because it was like, eh, you don't know what lasers would do to medieval armor. Directed energy weapons are barely a thing. Yeah, it's whatever. Fuck it. Who cares? It's just, it's so complicated and it reduces things to an unnecessarily abstracted degree where it's like, well, what weapon category are swords and small axes? Uh, C2. And so, oh, great. Well, remember that because we're going to get down to the armor category. It's going to say things like, Against breastplates, C2, do a damage reduction of four. And I'm like, what's C2 again? I gotta go look it up. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Fuck, whatever, It's weird. It's weird. But yeah, the combat system was my least favorite thing. Yeah. Would you play this? Absolutely not. I, I don't like diceless systems again in general, and I thoroughly don't care for this. Yeah, that's fair. And you? I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna say I don't like non-randomized systems because I'm okay with games that are played based on cards or something like that. No, again, when I say diceless, I mean mean non-random. Non-randomized, which this game is randomized in the sense that you don't know what number the DM or the GM is The GM is your randomizer. Yes. And Um, it's random in that he just picks a thing. Because like Amber Diceless was genuinely non-random the 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 difficulties were laid out in front of you you were just choosing whether or not you would like to buy your way up to exceeding them yeah this is not that um so so yeah i i I would not play this there's there's better ways to spend some time yep for me there you go there you go uh but otherwise thank you so much we're done here please if you want to hear us make characters in this game which given how long this episode is you'd think it'd be a really long episode you're about to hear it probably won't be (laughs) Because character creation takes like a minute because there's no flavor. There's no, there's no, yeah, there's nothing to hang anything on. But we'll do the best we can. By God. By we God. Will. We always try to produce quality oh bonus content anyway. And if you want to hear that, and if that this episode isn't going to grab you, then remember that any unlock you do buys all of the old bonus content too. Just years and years of bonus content. Mm-hmm. We've been making this show for damn near forever. And uh, I forget where we are. Cause I always forget. It's 11 years this August. Yeah. Uh, We're, we are past 10 years. Yeah. So if you want to uh, if you want to jump in and hear a ton of content, then all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at at least the $2 level. Uh, that's where you start unlocking things like ad-free versions of all of the main shows and the bonus content. There are other levels you can unlock at. Please stop by, check that out. It helps us keep doing the show because this pays our bills. Yep. And uh, otherwise, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon with yet more exciting content. And when we do, or until we do rather, I hope that you have a good one. love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love 
and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of Dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist! Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe.